Welcome to Reimagining Schools, a podcast from the Edupreneur Academy. Today, I'm talking with Ryan Walters. He's Oklahoma's current Secretary of Education and is also the CEO of Every Kid Counts in Oklahoma, a nonprofit organization designed to help students and families have access to schools in all locations. Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. How are you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing great. Uh, happy happy to be on today and getting to sit down with you and talk. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I think we got connected a couple of years ago through Ken Parker. Um, and so we've yeah, kind of worked on several different projects together. And I know you've got a lot going on right now. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about you. And I'd love to just start there. If you could just tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to education and then kind of the work that you're doing now. Yeah. So, um, you know, my background is I was a, uh, a public school teacher in McAllister down in Southeast Oklahoma, McAllister Public Schools. I was a, that's where I was a student. I came back as a high school teacher. I started teaching special ed classes um, at the high school level. And then eventually over time, I got to where I taught some on-level courses, some advanced placement courses and some other courses as well. So um, kind of all the history uh, you know, U.S. history, world history, um, government, all that, all that type of stuff. And uh, then, then a few years into it, I was our, our district's teacher of the year. Then I was a state teacher of the year finalist. And that kind of got me more interested in kind of like, you know, the broader view of education around the state and some policy matters. So um, that kind of got my interest there. And I started uh, uh, working with some of the legislature and um, the governor's office and things like that. And so I ended up working at a nonprofit. And help improve education. Um, and then as time went on, um, kind of began, I, I kept teaching in a school. I at least taught one course every year um, at, at different high schools around the state. Then I ended up um, getting appointed um, to the governor's cabinet as a secretary of education about a year ago. So I got to work on all things education uh, for, for the governor's office. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. I've always had a passion for trying to help young people. I had this moment Again, I could I could tell it in great detail, but there was this moment when I was in high school as a as a sophomore that I had this incredible U.S. history teacher that um, really told us a story about Abraham Lincoln and about how he knew he would make some decisions that made him really unpopular. But he had this kind of inner strength and inner principle that, that that doing the right thing would pay off for more for people around him mm-hmm. and, and um, would be the right thing to do and would be viewed that way in history. And it just really stuck out to me. And it just really motivated me to learn more about history. Uh, and, and it was one of these moments where, I mean, I can remember specifically, I, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be that kind of teacher that could have that kind of type of impact on kids. And so ever since then, I, I've, tr- I've wanted to work with young people and, and try to help them in their educational experience to open up pathways for their lives. That's perfect that you went there because the next question was, why are you passionate about educational change and innovation? And so it sounds like it started with that story, but what else kind of led you to get so involved with, you know, the political side and, and yeah. the shaping, you know, where we are in education? Yeah. And I, and I love so much of the work you're doing because I, I think it's so, you know, I think in education so many times, um, you know, we've got just incredible people that want to be teachers. Um, you've got some great school leaders across the state, but there's so many times I feel like we don't support or encourage innovation or new models. And, and I think a lot of it is just, you know, education has remained largely unchanged, um, you know, for about the last 150 years, really, since we've kind of set up a public education model um, of kind of the traditional schoolhouse. And and I think that teaching will always boil down, um, education will always boil down to a great teacher, 
and a student that wants to to take in that information and learn. Uh, I mean, then, you know, some parent, some parent that's actively involved in the process as well. There's kind of this triangle there between the three. That, that's basically what education is. It, and it is especially boiled down to that teacher student relationship. But the way we deliver instruction, um, the way we teach concepts, um, those delivery methods, um, how we set up those exchanges and what those exchanges look like. All of that should be open to what's best practice. How, how, how can we find better ways to do this efficiently? How can we make sure that, that, that effective models are being scaled and are being shared across the state? How do we make sure that every student is getting a great educational experience? Not just by happenstance, not just this, this student has a great teacher this year. Um, um, that Every student should have that experience. So how do we do that? And I think these are the things that make education so fascinating is that we're always going to have room for improvement. It doesn't matter how good our education system is. We're always going to want to do a better job. I know as a teacher every year, I mean, that's the thing is I, I felt like I get better every year. Uh, but boy, I just, you know, every year at the end of the year, I'm always thinking about, man, I, I've got to do all this differently. I keep a notepad of like, you know, next year I need to do it this way or that way. And I think we need to be looking at, at education that way holistically. And, and beget, because again, we've got to make sure that all of our students have the best education possible. So I, I just, I, I love the, um, conceptually, the thought process of how do we improve learning for every student? I just think it's it's kind of this never-ending uh, or open-ended question that, that we should always be asking ourselves. Absolutely, because the tools and the technology obviously will always change. But I think, you know, even with the pandemic, it made us see more that the connection with the teacher is something that's always going to be very important. So regardless of, you know, what kinds of technology we have in the future, we know that there still will always be a need and an importance for the connection with the teacher and building that, um, you know, that social emotional learning piece for students. Yep. And so I think that's important to keep in mind too. Right. And you and I came from a similar background because I taught in public schools as well. And so went that pathway. And that's, I think that's a helpful perspective to have as you kind of move forward with thinking about policy and change, because, um, you know, if you haven't, if you haven't been there, it's difficult to understand what that's like. Um, and so yep. I appreciate your experience in that and, and that you keep that as a part of your experience. I know you can, you've continued to teach throughout, you know, what you're doing now. And that's definitely, I think, um, helpful for you to be able to continue to have that perspective. And, and you know, and I think, you know, you have a great perspective on this, which is, you know, I feel like so many times you get uh, young teachers into the profession that have great ideas, uh, mm -hmm. that they really want to do things differently. And there's so many times that, that they don't feel supported in that. They don't feel encouraged to continue down that path. And so, so they kind of settle in. Um, they kind of, you know, do things the way we've always done things. And instead of, and this is why I'm, I'm very passionate about the work you're doing and, and the work others are doing across the state to really encourage innovation and to really try to encourage those things that we always need these innovators in the education space that are saying, look, we want to try this idea. Uh, we want to help propel this idea. And, and again, you know, I think that the, the best people to get these ideas from are our teachers. Our teachers are the ones that, that, that get to do this and interact with students on a daily basis where, hey, they can try a new idea and they can give us the responses on how, uh, how it, it, it worked with their kids. What were the results they saw with their students? What was engagement like? And troubleshoot it. I mean, that's my thing too, is there's so many different things I've tried over the years that, hey, for the first, you know, two or three times I try it, it's just not working. But as I it was encouraged to continue down that path, I was able to kind of flesh it out, make some minor tweaks, minor changes, different supports. And then you really see students flourish in that. But again, if there's not supports there, 
if you don't feel encouraged to continue on that path, you try something once, it doesn't work out exactly how you plan and you just go back to the way of doing things. That's where I think we've always got to support our innovators. We always have to encourage them um, to continue because that's where you see some dynamic changes occur inside uh, the education space. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I think that it's also important in that, you know, from that perspective, it makes a lot of sense, but we also don't want to, and I think this happens in the public education system sometimes is that we end up sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like we were like, this isn't working. Let's just throw this all out and start over. And so we just keep giving our teachers new things to try over and over and over again. And then they don't work and it's a year or two and it doesn't work. We try something else. And so that gets, you know, old after a while. And I think, you know, teachers learn to just kind of, oh, we'll just wait until the next new thing comes along and do that for a few years. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Teachers get, you know, uh, I don't know what it is that sometimes in education, I feel like we get attached to fads, you know, mm-hmm. that there's something, the new kind of hot thing that comes out and, um, uh, and, and, you know, everyone gets really obsessed with it for two or three years and then they've moved on to the next thing. And as a teacher, um, when you're being inundated with these things that are not substantially improving student outcomes or, or making it easier for you to deliver instruction, you're going, okay, you're just, uh, these are just hoops and it'll change right. in two years again. And so I'm changing what I'm doing and it's not, it's not having an impact. Teachers would love to dramatically improve what they're doing if that's what this is. And I think that's where we have to be really careful about pushing things from a top down model on teachers rather than allowing them um, the supports to find things that are effective and allowing that more organically rather than the top down approach. Because the other thing, and that's why I, I love kind of the work that you're doing and trying to connect them. I think that cohort models are so important because if I'm out on an island trying something new, it's just me trying to think of ways to do it better. If it's me and then someone from, you know, the Southwest part of the state or the Northeast part of the state, and we're able to kind of work through this together and we're able to ping pong ideas off of each other and talk back and forth as we're having issues, we're going to get to a much better solution so much faster in a model like that. And we're also going to feel encouraged. We're not going to feel isolated or out on an island. So I, I love kind of the cohort model concept of ways to introduce new ideas as well. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, to your point, not just the corners of your state, but where else in the, you know, in the country can we look at for ideas and we don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel if things are working somewhere else. Let's, you know, reach out to each other and share ideas. I think that's great. And I'm sure you've had this kind of too, because of your public background, um, you know, past, in mind too, that, you know, you kind of run into those teachers as administrators that, that ha- are just having a hard time sort of wrapping their mind around change. I think a lot of um, educators sort of envision when we're talking about new school models or innovation, they're seeing, you know, in their mind, their school being boarded up and teachers being let go. And, and so I've often found that the question that I can start with is what is it about the system currently as it is that you think we need to keep? And I think that's a good way to start. And so yeah. I just wanted to ask you that question too, and see what what do you like about the current system? What should we keep? Yeah, you know, the thing that I, I, I mean, I think that, you know, I agree, you know, the thing about it is we always want to improve our education system, but we also don't want to over, it, we're not changing for the sake of change. We're, what we're doing is improving what we have. And there's core concepts um, that the reason why they've been done for so long is because they're effective. And I think it's really crucial to look at and and maintain the relationship that teachers have with their students and the relationship that the community has with their school. And I think that, you know, uh, that is so important that the community has input into the school, that the school is reflective of the values of its community Mm -hmm. and that, that the emphasis is 
the teacher building relationships with teacher with students, teachers having knowledge, content knowledge, so that they can help improve uh, the students' understanding of of the material that they're. That's I mean I I don't that's never going to go away. The relationship between the teacher and student, the core knowledge of teachers. Now, I will tell you, you know, there's some studies that show, you know, what preparation for teachers is most effective. And there's a lot out there. But there's one thing that they, especially in the older grades, find time and time again, that, of course, the content subject area knowledge and expertise is shown to improve teacher quality and teacher effectiveness, especially in the higher level. So we need teachers that are well equipped, that are very knowledgeable about their subjects. Uh, we also need teachers that are able to build relationships and rapport with their students, and we need community involvement and community engagement into our schools. I think those are three concepts that is we're talking about improving things. We've got we've gotten those right. You look at the you look at the way communities rally to schools. You look at that connection. That's very important in a school success, and and those aspects of of the teaching profession have to be maintained. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, what I often hear from teachers and administrators is that they don't want uh, they want students to have access, right? All students to have access to the opportunity. And so I think that's a big one. And I think yep. that's an important distinction and thing for us to talk about a lot because it's important to know that, you know, we're not talking about creating new models that restrict access. We're talking about giving more access to students, having more opportunities for every student that lives in every location to have you know, choices about what works best for them and their families. And so I think that's a really great place to start that conversation instead of starting from you know, the, the opposite of that, which is that we're like separate and not helping each other out. So if we can work together with, with the schools to make this happen, this would be you know, an incredible opportunity to do that. Right. And I mean, and to, to your point, it's, it's like, you know, like just the, the, the three examples I just gave, there, there are many, you know, that um, that virtual learning, they feel like is an affront on on that model. When mm-hmm. in reality, to your point, when you talk about access, look at what how access has been opened up because of the ability to do virtual learning, where, again, there is no replacement for a quality teacher in a physical classroom with your students. But what about if your students don't have access to a teacher who teaches a certain course and now they do? Or what if your teacher who's there locally wants to connect students um, with folks that are outside their state, outside their country for those kind of in-person learning experiences? There's some amazing things going on with VR and education, too, yeah. that you can mm-hmm. put your students in, in ancient Egypt. You can put them in a civil war battle. You, you can do these things now that, again, technology allows us to do it. It is a value add for our effective teachers. It's not replacing them. It's gotta be used as a tool to um, emphasize and, and add value to the effectiveness already of a good quality teacher, not a replacement. When used properly, I do think it brings an, ad, an added value and added scalability that's not there. Um, mm-hmm. but, but again, and, and, I do, and I do get teachers concerned about that because if, sure. if we're discussing it as a replacement, I, I reject that. I, I don't, I don't yeah. believe that. But if we're looking at it as a value add and open accessibility, I think there's some real opportunity there. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the question I was going to ask connected to that, which you've answered a little bit, is just, you know, as technology continues changing, how do you see the role of the teacher changing? And I think you've touched on that a little bit, but I think it's maybe important to just, yeah, emphasize that. Yeah. I mean, I just look at scalability. You know, that's the first thing that comes to my mind with technology is, you know, I've always had. Um, you know, like a fundamental frustration with, you know, th- there's, there's one great third grade, you know, there's, there's an amazing third grade teacher in a school district. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, potluck that, you know, you know, 
20 kids get that teacher and then other kids get a first year teacher who's, who's, who's probably going to be a great teacher, but not there yet. And how do you determine who gets that teacher and who gets that teacher? Well, what about leveraging some technology, especially in the older grades to say, listen, you can have some lessons delivered by great teacher. You can look at some lectures. You can have some interactions with this great teacher. And then everyone will have the, their own type of homeroom teacher that works with them as well. But if you have a really good teacher that's very good at delivering instruction, mm-hmm. let's, let, let, let's capture that. Let's make sure everyone has access to that. Let's make sure that when a kid's at home and they don't understand a concept, instead of going back to a book and trying to reread it, they could get online and maybe even do some virtual tutoring with a mm-hmm. teacher that's an amazing tutor. I mean, I see it as the ability to ensure that all kids have access to our exceptional mm-hmm. teachers. Um, I also just, just, just think that over time, it's also going to help streamline so much of what takes up a teacher's time. I, I, I think we've got to start looking at ways to make sure that, that we can effectively allow teachers to develop curriculum, find good curriculum, um, deliver instruction. Um, when you look at benchmarking, you look at the assessments, you look at all the type of resources that now um, with, with the virtual content we have, we should be able to share some of these great resources and materials with teachers where a teacher shouldn't be up all weekend creating, you know, making their own assessments and creating all of their own content. Now, now if they want to, that's great. Um, mm-hmm. But but again, uh, you know, teachers aren't necessarily content uh, creator experts, right? I mean, there's, there's right. the, 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 that's a different skill set and some are, and again, uh, but I think that there's the ability now with technology to ensure that all teachers have access to this. They can streamline this. I mean, I still remember when I first started teaching benchmarking data, how much dif- how difficult it was to collect it and put it together where we could then share as a department. And then a few yeah. years later, yeah. boom, we have a streamlined process of we're using an online um, um, tool where when benchmarking is done, we've got all the spreadsheets. We have all the data collection done. I'm not sitting at home on the weekend yeah. putting data into a spreadsheet. <laughs> so again, it was a time saver for me. It was much more effective for me. And I think we can see a lot more of that moving forward. Yeah. And I, I think you're so right that that access piece is so important that we can give more equitable equitability to our students live in rural districts and in all places. And if we were currently working within a system that was already equitable, we wouldn't need to have this conversation, but that's not the case. And so we're looking for solutions that will, will make things more uh, you know, equitable for all students and accessible. That's right. All right. So shifting gears, what advice would you give to educators or maybe our local business people that are sort of interested in innovating in education? Yeah, you know, I mean, that, w- what I would tell them is um, I, I would encourage them to bring all these ideas into the education circle and push forward to see where that can take them. I would tell them to, to align with other folks that want to innovate, align with other folks that have good ideas that are encouraging, um, that, that look for solutions rather than excuses of why you can't do things. I mean, that's that's my thing is, is we've got to continue to not say, oh, well, we can't do that. We can't do that. If you say we can't do that, right. what's another suggestion of how we could maybe get to that point? I think aligning yourselves with folks like this make it much, much easier um, to actually mm-hmm. see real change occur inside the system. And I, and I would say, you know, change and innovation is hard. I mean, it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Um, status quo yeah. is easy. Um, so I, what I would say is, you know, to, to have the courage to continue down that. And again, you know, for me, education can be so stagnant and it doesn't have to be that way. To me, education should be the most vibrant because again, we're talking about, I've always found this just so intellectually stimulating. How do I uh, help my kids understand a complex subject area? Mm -hmm. Like that's to me, exciting to me. Like how, what's the best way? to drive home 
difficult, complex subjects so that young people can understand it and utilize that knowledge effectively. That's exciting. I, I think we yeah. should always be looking at ideas on how we can do that effectively. And, and I think that, that, again, this should be a vibrant area. And so for anyone who wants to bring innovation to this area, who, who, who that, that, that's a vision that they have, I would highly encourage them to do it. We need it. And most importantly, you know, one of my biggest concerns for young people is when I go into schools, you're always going to hear about discipline problems and classroom management issues, and that is big. But the group that I think is actually bigger than that is the group uh, that concerns me is a group of the group of apathetic students. Mm-hmm. Students that they're there, they're not causing a problem. They just don't care. You know, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. They're not connected with the subject material. Um, they don't understand the importance of their education they're getting. And to me, um, innovation and agility and changing what we do could make a tremendous difference for those students. That's why we have to keep pushing the needle. That's why we have to continue to try to innovate to make sure that students are coming to classroom and getting the most vibrant education imaginable so that they are excited about school. Learning is fun. I have a, got a, I've got a second grader at home and, and, and I'm going to keep pushing this because I, it frustrates me how many times kids start off excited. Yeah. They're excited about learning. Something happens, you know, something happens in middle school and some of that's just developmental stuff. Right. But we've got to keep the excitement going um, throughout their educational experience because learning is exciting. We've got to keep that going. And I think that happens with innovation in the education space. Yeah. So many good points there, Ryan. Thank you for that. It really stood out to me, too, that just the characteristics of, you know, an entrepreneur is that perseverance. Right. And grit and not giving up and you can always find a million problems and reasons to say it's not going to work. Um, but there are also lots of solutions out there and we can look to other places to see those solutions or we can create our you know, own new solutions. But I think that's, that's an important characteristic for entrepreneurs is just not giving up and finding a way to make it work. And I, I believe that we can do that. I believe we can make the system better. And I think you're right about students that lose that um, kind of ability to want to learn like our, our young kids do. I mean, they're just curious, right? And they lose that at some point. And sure, some of that may be developmental, but I also think that as we're preparing students for a future that we can't even see what that's going to look like, we don't know what the jobs of the future will be or what they could look like. We know that preparing students to be able to critically think and to, you know, be able to find resources and information for themselves is probably the most important thing that we could be teaching them. And that also really helps them to stay engaged because instead of just you know, rote memorization or teaching students how to, you know, answer and memorize questions. We're teaching them how to think for themselves and to solve problems and to create their own solutions for the future. Absolutely. And that's right. I mean, and that's why it's so important that we, 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 we ensure that this innovation is occurring, that this entrepreneur spirit is encouraged in education because the reality is we don't know what the jobs necessarily are going to be in the next 20 or 30 years, but I want our young people to be able to solve the problem. And I always saw our young people, they're the most encouraging thing to me and that there's so much we haven't been able to solve. Us adults, we haven't figured it out, okay? So I'm always encouraging them. I want you to figure it out. I want you guys to have a good education so that all these world problems, all these societal problems, all of these issues, things can be better because you can solve them. And to me, that's why the education system has to be agile enough to make sure that our students, when they graduate, can enter the workforce, but also solve these complex problems. I want them to solve problems that that I can't solve. I want them to have a better generation moving forward than we have. But I think in doing that, you have to make sure that they're developing the skills that we're going to need in the future. And to me, that requires an agile education that's always looking for that entrepreneurial uh, perspective there. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it really is a vision of mine to see sort of that teacher preparation look differently. And I think some schools are starting to do this. As I'm looking across the country, there are some universities that are pivoting to this a bit. And I think that's just, you know, helping our teachers as they go through preparation programs think differently, think outside of the box. We typically prepare teachers and educators for one pathway, and that's to teach in a traditional brick and mortar school the way that we've always thought of that in the past. And we could be saying, hey, there's other ways to be entrepreneurial in this. Are you interested in starting a school model yourself? Are you interested in you know, doing things a different way or helping a school district to innovate? And I think that's an important key for our future as well is to, to help our early um, educational professionals think about it a different way as they start the program. Yeah, I think teacher empowerment's key. I think early on it's key. Our average teacher um, career in Oklahoma is five years. And, yeah. and, and I know some of that, and I talk to these folks that leave the profession, some of it is they were excited and something happens where they're not excited anymore. They're being micromanaged. Um, they're, they're not, they're not as, as effective as they wanted to be. Uh, and I think we have, to, we have to get young people, again, young people with brilliant ideas and education, we need to encourage them. We need to help propel them um, and, and, and make sure that they're staying in the profession to create this, this change. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree. Yep. Well, is there um, any, I just like to kind of end with a couple of things. One, I want to make sure our listeners know how to get um, in touch with you or find out more about you and Echo. So would you mind just saying the website and then if there's any other information you'd like to give? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I um, I serve on the governor's cabinet as the secretary of education, but I also run an education nonprofit called Every Kid Counts Oklahoma. Um, so everykidcountsok.org is our, um, is our website there. Click on that and follow the social media channels. We've got a Facebook, a Twitter all that kind of stuff. Um, so we try to keep regular updates there as well. And we're working with parents, teachers, community leaders across the state to, again, try to push, um, you know, improvement in our education system um, through innovation. Um, so uh, happy to work with everyone there. And, and yeah, just uh, all those social media channels. Again, we stay pretty active on that. So love to have you follow us there. But again, uh, we, we want to encourage those that want to innovate, those that want to improve the education system to, again, be collaborative in this model moving forward. So, so yeah, that's, that's my work in that space. I appreciate the, the shout out there for the, for the nonprofit there. Of course. Yeah. And, I, and Echo and Every Kid Counts in Oklahoma and Educator Academy are working together to try to make sure we're connecting people with the right resources to help them innovate and be successful. And so definitely want to make sure we um, are working together towards that, that great goal. And it just as a final note, is there anything else that you'd like to share with other educational innovators as we kind of close out? Yeah, you know, I, I think Oklahoma is a is a, such an exciting place to be in education right now. I think we've always had, you know, you look back to our history, uh, this kind of pioneer spirit of doing things differently, of being unique, um, and, and um, kind of doing it uh, in, in ways that other other folks hadn't. And, and I think that we have the same spirit in education. I think there's been times we haven't encouraged it, we haven't supported it, we haven't promoted it. Um, I would encourage everyone that that we've got the a great. Uh, spot in, in, in Oklahoma right now that we know we need to do things better. We know we need to improve things for our students. Um, I, I think there's an exciting potential moving forward um, for us to all work together to do something truly special in the state for our kids. And so I just want to encourage folks to keep working um, with our students, keep working on ideas on how to improve it. And again, Oklahoma can lead here. And the, the coolest thing about Oklahoma leading on education um, is that means that opportunities are going to grow for our kids. And that's what's most yeah. important here. So that's what's most exciting for me. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree, Ryan. Thank you so much for all the work that you're doing in education and for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate your time. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. Thank you.